If everyone in your sphere of influence got 36 touches from you over a 12-month period, what would that do to your production? We're going to talk about it today. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? Are you spending money on leads that aren't converting? Well, find out why agents across the country come to Real Geeks as their technology partner. Real Geeks was created by an agent for agents. They pride themselves on delivering clients a real estate sales and marketing solution to generate more business. And Real Geeks is super easy to use. Their websites are fast and built for lead conversion with a smooth search experience for the end user. Real Geeks is also mobile friendly, delivering an excellent user experience on the go. Real Geeks includes an easy to use CRM, so once your leads sign up on your website, you can track their interest and have great follow-up triggers. Real Geeks is loaded with a ton of marketing tools to nurture your leads and increase your brand awareness. Do yourself a favor and please visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod and find out why realtors come to Real Geeks to generate more business. Again, visit realgeeks.com forward slash keeping it real pod. This episode is also brought to you from modwell.io, who can take your listings and quickly virtually renovate them to show prospective buyers what's possible, making your sales much faster and for higher price points. Guys, this is awesome stuff, and I'll be telling you more about Modwell halfway through the episode, but for now, go visit modwell.io, that's M-O-D-W-E-L-L.io, and now, onto the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through this show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer Josh Anderson of Nashville. Before we get to Josh, just two quick reminders. Please tell a friend about this show. Think of one other realtor that's struggling right now and send them a link. You can send them over to our website, keepingitrealpod.com, or just have them pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real, hit that subscribe button. And also, please follow us on Instagram. We're actually on all the social channels, but we're trying to grow our Instagram channel because we post really great content there. Uh, a couple, several times a week, we post short form videos. How do you find us? Top Agent Interviews. So go to Instagram, search for Top Agent Interviews, or that's our handle, and hit the follow button. We appreciate it. Okay, let's get to the main event, my conversation with Josh Anderson. Today on the show, our guest is Josh Anderson with the Anderson Group Real Estate Services in Nashville, Tennessee. Let me tell you more about Josh. Now, Josh Anderson is a highly motivated individual who is passionate about Nashville real estate and dedicated to serving his clients and community. Uh, Josh was born and raised in Nashville. He graduated from the Louisiana State Sorry. Graduated from Louisiana State with a degree in international trade and finance. He served in the U.S. Army for eight years, including a 10-month deployment in Bagram, Afghanistan during Operation Enduring Freedom. Now, these experiences, along with his education, have instilled in him a strong work ethic, discipline, 
and a desire to give back. With over 17 years of experience in the real estate industry, Josh has helped more than 2,000 families achieve their home ownership dreams. He has also built a successful team that consistently ranks among the top five real estate teams in the Southwest region. Now, Josh's unwavering commitment to client satisfaction is reflected in the fact that nearly 75% of his business comes from past clients, his sphere of influence, and agent referrals. Please follow Josh on Instagram and Facebook. There's two places you can follow him on on social, which is uh, at, um, sorry, Tag Nashville. So that's one of his accounts, Tag Nashville. The other is The Real Josh Anderson. And by the way, we are going to have links to both of those in the show notes, so you don't have to even search around. We'll tag right to it. Also, visit his website at joshandersonrealestate.com. Dot com And let's all uh, welcome Josh and thank him for his service to our country as well. Josh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for, for coming on our show. Uh, the hardest part of interviewing top 1% producers is finding time to do it. So we appreciate you and yeah. the fact that you're not just you know running your own business, you have a whole team to uh, to help as well, and uh, we appreciate your time today. So thank you. I'm excited to chat with you, and would love to learn how you got into real estate. So you were a military guy, and then uh, were you doing real estate while in the military? I actually recently interviewed someone who was, but um, I'm curious to hear your story. No, I actually, uh, I actually, well, I'll tell you the the. The after high school, I was smart enough to know that I probably didn't need to go from high school to college. So I went into the military and uh, did that and then went to LSU. And I was actually in my junior year of college when I got a phone call walking to my last final of the semester um, that I was going to be going to Afghanistan for a year. And uh, they actually didn't know how long we were going to go. They told us three months, six months. It ended up being about 11 10 and a half oh, or 11 months. My goodness. And so it was, you know, it was like within eight months of uh, 9-11. So it was back in 2002. And um, anyway, so I got into real estate uh, in April of 2006. It's funny, it was actually April 1st, so April Fool's Day. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I graduated in finance and economics and worked at an investment bank. And I think I created an idea or a story in my head of what that was going to be. And... Um, it just it wasn't filling the buckets i wasn't being mentored i wasn't being challenged and so i was getting my real estate license in the meantime just because i've i've always loved uh real estate architecture and so i ended up i ended up doing that and within the first three months i sold my first house um so i think i sold 23 or 24 houses my first year in the business that's incredible and, that's uh, an incredible amount of homes i'm curious because and again, I know a lot of times people listen and they're like, well, it was different back in you know the, the early 2000s or um, I'm not sure it was so different. I, I know client acquisition, uh, I don't think it's gotten easier over the years if you're a brand new agent. So curious on how did you get that many deals done in your first year? I mean, that is truly a, a huge, huge, as you know, a huge number. Yeah. So I guess I did, I did those 23 transactions really in about eight and a half or nine months. Um, you know, wow. I think I kind of approached it with, um, I approached it with the idea that it was really kind of guerrilla marketing. So I was, I was out networking constantly. I was having breakfast with people, lunches with people. I was doing nonprofit and volunteering activities. Uh, I joined the junior chamber and the young leaders council and all these different things. 
because I was trying to add as many people to my database as possible and I was shaking as many hands as possible. And, you know, when you're new, I, I always jokingly tell people I I knew that people weren't going to necessarily just do business with me. So there were a lot of people I was like, hey, you know, when somebody has a property to buy or sell, who do you refer? And they were like, oh, so-and-so. And I said, well, can I be your second place realtor? Ooh, and nobody asks. I love that. Yeah. So nobody asks that question. Right. So, uh, you know, how often really? somebody said no, like 0% of the time. Of course. And so I was always the second place realtor for so many people. And it, and it just requires the first place realtor to not answer their phone or not be available for you to become the first place realtor. And um, my, uh, one of my, my one of my oh, best referral sources. No, I was just going to say my, one of my best referral sources is he told me he would never do business with me because he had his, he had his team. He had his guy. His guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, that guy didn't do whatever he needed. And I've been the referral source in the, the agent ever since. So I I've done about 500 episodes. You're the first person to give that particular tip. And I think it's one of the very best tips I've ever heard because, well, not only do I like it, um, but I have a little bit of a personal experience with that particular idea. My father, is a paper salesman and he's been doing it forever, 40 years. And he's like the least salesy person you'll ever meet. He's just a wonderfully nice human being. And because he's not very salesy, um, I always was curious, like, how did, how did you, you know, win these clients over who were already with other paper salesmen? You know, they all basically have this access to the similar products and pricing. He goes, I just always told them like, Hey, if your current person like screws up, I'd love the opportunity to, to help you out. And he goes, I just would wait. And I'd wait for, for that. And it, it built a very nice career for him and obviously for you as well. So I love that tip. So if, if for everyone out there listening, let's make sure we, we have that uh, re holstered and ready to, to pull out when somebody goes, Oh, you know, I already have a realtor, but thanks. Be like, Hey, that's great. If anything ever changes, or if you're ever dissatisfied, you know, with, with anyone's service, I would love to have have the opportunity to, to win, earn your business. That is, that is a wonderfully, wonderful uh, suggestion. Thank you for that. Our audience yeah. thanks you. Um, so I'm sorry. I, uh, so, so you, so, oh, I also want to make one, one other point. You, you actually said something else that was, it, it, this is not something that, that is, this is commonly said, but it's something that's so important. I'm glad you said it, um, which is, he didn't assume that everyone in his current database was going to use him, right? And you know, he's a new realtor at this point. Maybe there's a lot of his friends that are like, "Yeah, maybe I'll wait a few years before I'll give Josh, you know, my uh, yeah. seven hundred thousand dollar home to sell or whatever." Um, I mean, that that's not an unreasonable thought, really. And I'm not saying you thought that, but but it could have been one that some of people in your databases thought. So the idea of like, "Gosh, my friends aren't really calling me." right away. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I, I would call my best friend who just got their license, but, um, but what he did is he said, I need to add people to my database. So he went out, he did lunches, he did breakfasts, he, he did a volunteering, all of those things add people to your database. And that is really the name of the game when you get started. So uh, cheers to that. And obviously it worked <laughs> 23 transactions yeah. in your first year is incredible. Um, and then how did you continue to grow from there? Yeah. And so just, just going on that, on that first year piece, you know, I probably did 75 open houses and I tell people all the time, I don't think I did a, I don't think I did a single transaction from an open house, but what I, what I did get was really comfortable meeting somebody and having to figure out what you need to say in the first seven seconds of meeting somebody um, and not hovering over them, but being available and being a resource 
Um, so yeah, I don't think I actually closed any deals from open houses, but I got really comfortable in front of strangers um, in a house yeah. that wasn't mine that I didn't know a whole lot about. I mean, I, I could read the MLS sheet. I mean, most of these weren't, these weren't my open houses. These weren't my listings for open houses. I was just doing activities to get in front of people. Um, and so that, those are things that go, somebody goes, well, I'm not going to do 75 open houses to get zero business. But then you look up three or five years later and go, my scripts are better than yours. My objection handlers are better than yours because I'm out doing all these things. Um, yeah. And so I'd say the best thing that I, the, the best things that I did in 2006, and I would argue that 2006 was probably a not as good, but similar market to maybe a 2018, 19, 20. Um, and then 2007, 8, 9, and 10 are probably a little bit more like we're in now, where it's like yeah. hard to acquire tougher. and yeah. hard, to, hard to convert. You know, conversion is very different today than it was five years ago. Um, but I got really comfortable and very good looking back on it. I didn't realize how good of a job I did with the basics. And when I say the basics, you know, time blocking, I literally, to this day, you don't, you don't have... Like they're all outbound phone calls from eight thirty to eleven thirty every single day, five days a week. And I'm okay. Not, let, and let me let me pause you on that because that you just said something that that again a lot of people say, and then when when people hear that, they're like, "Well, okay, what happens when you get that emergency text, that emergency phone call, the email that from a client? I need to speak to you right now, mm -hmm. and you're in a time block. Um, obviously." nothing is absolute. You probably would break that if you needed to, but, but how, how important is it that you, that you keep on track during those, those outbound phone call times? And do you even allow messages to come in? Maybe you don't. I'm curious to hear. So I, so everybody on my team makes fun of me. Well, two things I would say, one, everyone, uh, is it their 911 or is it your 911? Right. <laughs> so is it their emergency? I mean, Everybody else thinks everything is so important to them, but is it is it a priority for you? And so for me, there's nothing in real estate in 17 years that couldn't wait two or three hours. There's literally nothing, not one single thing. Even, even if there's an issue at closing, like my my administrative team can take care of that. They can figure it out. And so that's how serious I got about lead generation and lead follow-up. And people always talk about lead generation, but really lead follow-up is really where it's at. Um, well, before we get before we get to lead follow-up, I did want one more question I, I meant to ask uh, a few minutes ago, and, and I, I, I forgot. Um, but being that you are uh, a military man, and military is about process, precision, discipline, obviously hard work, um, going above and beyond. Uh, I'm curious if there were any lessons, I'm sure there were, but anything that 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 you learned in the military that you were able to take with you into your real estate practice that really you think helped push you maybe where somebody who might not have had those experiences might not have those skills. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certainly, uh, there, there are standards and procedures for everything. And there's also hurry up and wait, which happens a little bit in real estate. And that's maybe why I'm so good at follow-up is, you know, it's like, when I think about follow-up, I will follow up. Somebody told me early on in the business, it's like you follow up with somebody until they buy or die. And I like kind of probably took that a little bit to heart too much. Um, but I really do. I mean, there there was somebody we listed a property for two years ago that literally was in our database since 2009. 
And he never responded to any text messages, any voicemails. Called me one day while I'm in West Palm Beach at the Four Seasons. And he's like, hey, this is Sean. And I'm like, hey, like. Trying to figure out who Sean is. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, he's like, oh, over on Fairfax. And I was like, holy crap, this guy's finally calling me. This is unbelievable. Because I literally had left him, you know, probably four to six or eight messages via text, email, or phone call. He was on a market report or a market snapshot then when we had top producer. So it was like unbelievable that he was responding to me. Of course, I was on vacation, right? Um, But we ended up listing his property and selling it. And it was like, well, was it worth it? You know, it was a smaller condo near Vanderbilt University, $300,000, $9,000 for, I don't know, 20 voicemails and text messages over time. Pretty good ROI. Yeah, Yeah. all day. Yeah, but I'll, I win. I'll, uh, I win. I'll take nine grand for for twenty uh, different uh, text messages. Sure. Yeah, but I but I win so much because of the simple fact that I'm willing to follow up with people forever. Um, I'm not doing anything massively different than most other people, uh, except the consistency of doing it over time. Isn't it nice too that you have these very strict processes? It really helps take the emotion out of it as well, right? Like I know for me, I never went to the gym for, for I pro- people are probably sick of hearing me tell the story. So I apologize if, if everyone listening is like, oh, we've heard this. But um, the only reason I now go to the gym is because I have a trainer and I have a set appointment um, three times a week. And I just, that just works for me. I know I'm going to show up if I have an obligation to someone else. And so I, I am, I, I, you know, one nice thing about having these standard operating procedures, these pro- processes you, you created is you don't really have to think like, if you know, every day between eight 30 and eleven thirty, you're making your outbound calls, there's not an option not to do it really. Right. It's just like, this is just what I do during this time. It becomes less yep. of a challenge to talk yourself into it. Cause it just becomes a habit. Yeah. And it's easy. I don't have to like really from a time blocking perspective, I know exactly what I'm doing every day from 8.30 to 11.30. And um, it's boring. What I like about it is it's super predictable. And I know that if I make a certain amount of contacts, I'm going to sort uh, I'm going to set a certain amount of listing appointments, or work with a certain amount of you know buyers, whatever it is. Um, it's It's almost guaranteed. If I make 20 contacts a day, I'm going to do a certain amount of deals every year. Every month, every quarter. Well, before we dive into your follow-up process, which I am super excited to hear about, I also just wanted to make make an observation that our audience has already made about you, which is, or if they haven't thought about this consciously, I'm going to put this in everyone's mind. Notice Josh's tonality. Notice how his his the, his way of speaking, his inflection. Notice if it's a calming presence or if it's a an alerting presence where it's, a, you know, some people they speak and you get this like fight or flight response, like, oh my gosh, it's, it's a little too intense. Notice how Josh comes off. Imagine meeting Josh in an open house. He sat 75 of them his first year. Um, imagine that. Would, would, would you, if you were walking into a home where you didn't know the realtor or, or any, you know, brand new person, would you rather have somebody like Josh? Not, not, not everyone's wired the same, of course, but Josh's voice is incredibly calming and relaxing. And people, everyone listening, you can learn how to manipulate your tonality in a way that's authentic and puts people at ease. Josh is clearly somebody, and maybe it's a Southern accent kind of thing that he's got from Nashville. He's a born, he's a born and raised guy there. But boy, is, is that not a calming? I mean, imagine that versus like a, a different type of accent from somewhere else that maybe isn't as calming. So I, 
I just wanted to make that point that you have a very relaxing and easy to listen to voice, uh, way better than mine for sure. But um, let's talk about the the follow up process because this is really really like been the, the key to your success. So talk, walk us through it. Yeah, before I get through that, that's also uh, neuro linguistic programming classes and all the all the all the conferences and all the things that I've done. Uh, maybe a little bit of southern southern charm in there. I don't know. Uh, thank you for that, though. You're welcome. Um, so, so today we're talking a little bit about like what our what our 36 touch program is, and you know, it's it it's not just one piece of our marketing. It's kind of encompasses all things marketing, which is such it touches so many different pieces of our business, down to the phone calls and the text messages, you know, the client events, the giveaways, the agent reviews or the uh, Google reviews, the agent referrals. Um, so I'll break some of that down, but really all of it starts with kind of, you know, once a year, we do kind of the 12 week year in the traction book and meet, uh, from a quarterly perspective, but once a year we get together for our focus day and it's our one day offsite and we really work on, uh, and there's more days than just that one for follow-up, but it's knowing what our numbers are and it's putting an entire calendar together of literally month by month, quarter by quarter of all of our marketing, client events, giveaways, all of our social media, all of our reels, all of our YouTube videos. So if you're if you're wanting to put together a really good 36 touch, start with the idea of calendaring it. Um, that doesn't, that can be overwhelming if you're trying to just be like, all right, we're going to do this all at one time. This has been a process over years that we've taking client events off that didn't get the ROI or didn't have as many people show up. And some of our easiest and best events and least expensive events um, have been our best turnout. And some of our fixed cost ones that cost $10,000 and we're like, oh, 36 people showed up. That sucks. And then other events where, you know, we've had 400 people show up. So it's one of those deals that um, start with a calendar and and decide what's important to you from a from a marketing perspective so we know that we're gonna like to all of our past clients they're gonna get a birthday call and an anniversary call uh anniver home anniversary call and then they're gonna get you know 12 postcards a year and 12 newsletters so i mean these are all relatively basic things if they own a home obviously if they're a client they own a home we put them on a market report so they get that you know either every two weeks or every four weeks um but breaking all that down is overwhelming until you start breaking it down in, into pieces of your business. Um, so our phone calls, you know, we we realized for me, maybe I'm a little bit robotic. Um, phone calls are easy for me because when I looked at it, I said, okay, what's the best way for me to get in front of the most amount of people? It was either big networking events um, or like niche events, but I knew a bunch of people were going to be there where I could shake hands with a lot of people, but then follow up with all of them afterward to get coffee or lunch or whatever it is. Um, but I said, you know, I can't do the Northwestern Mutual where I go and have coffee like eight times a day or whatever their appointment setting is. I'd love to do that. That's the best quality probably for me. But to get 20 contacts a day, which was my goal back in the day, um, was 20 contacts a day, I needed to be on the phones. So I needed to time block that three hours of outbound phone calls every day. Um, and it still works, so I still do it. Um, and then I'm just a little bit more, uh, I, I make decisions on what networking events that I do. Um, 
but I, but just breaking down some of these different things. So where I was going with that is the phone calls um, were hard for team members. And so we started doing client events to make the phone calls easier because then they could just invite their clients to the events. And then they could say, well, while I have you, how's the house? Is there anything you need? Do you need our vendor? Ah, I love that. That's smart. Yeah. So it made it simple for them. Um, And then, you know, if people aren't doing Google reviews, not everybody wants to do them, but we have, you know, 804 or 805 Google, five-star Google reviews online. We've probably had 900 to 1,000. Some of them get taken away occasionally, whatever Google's algorithm is, but 804 five-star reviews. You know, we we can track every year since 2018, we've done at least 30 transactions a year that we can track from Google reviews. Our average price point, $650,000. So 30 deals, you do the math, it's it's worth the time we've put in to do $20 million a year in volume just from that one source. Uh, Just Um, a quick quick pause question for you uh, around phone calls because a a lot of people have phone uh, dialing reluctance or it's called there's a cute uh, term for it but but the unwillingness to want to pick up the phone and obviously the younger generation doesn't talk on the phone at all anymore uh very very much if at all and so a lot of times people especially younger people are like uh, i didn't grow up jumping on the phone that much so this is this is really a, a challenge for me my question is what today what percentage of the time when you called you get a voicemail yeah um it's probably at least 50%. It might be 60 or 70%. I don't think it's 75, but we leave voicemails. And and I know, uh, and, and one thing I'll say before I talk about these voicemails is um, it's not call reluctance, it's value deficiency. It, it, it just truly is. You're right. And so people can, people can say what they want, but you're not call reluctant. You're just value deficient. You, you don't have you a don't, good reason to call them. So you're like, I don't want to pick up You don't have a good reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you don't know what to say to them. You don't know how to, like, one of the biggest things that we talk about on our train on our team is what does value mean to different people? Because for you, value might be something completely different than what I value in a financial advisor or a CPA or a doctor or a realtor. And so it's, it's called, it's, um, it's, it's value deficiency because you really don't know how to add value. It's not that you're not willing to, it's just that you don't know what the hell to say to them or how to add value. Um, As far as the voicemails, I tell my team always leave voicemails no matter what, because if you don't leave a voicemail, they definitely don't know that you call them, right? I mean, for friends, they see that you called and they might call you back, but we're talking about internet leads, sign calls, whatever. I always leave a voicemail because they might check it and they might call me back. But if I don't leave one, they're definitely not calling me back. Yeah. I I think, you know, you made a a really strong point about call reluctance, this idea of, you know, oh, am I making a sales call or am I actually calling with some specific value that I'm going to be bringing to the person who's going to be picking up the phone? And if you do have that value, it really does. I hadn't ever thought of it that way, but you were so right. It, it pretty much eliminates the call reluctance because you're actually like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm doing a good thing by calling for the person, not not just selfishly for me trying to keep my you know contacts uh, satisfied. I'm actually doing something for them. Um, and it makes those phone calls a heck yeah. of a lot easier. I think you have to flip the mindset and come from contribution and go, you know, I always think of it like this. If I don't call these people, they have to work with an inferior agent and I don't want them to work with an inferior agent. 
Yeah. And I know that's like maybe, you know, uh, kind of ego driven, but it's not. It's it's more like there are a lot of good agents out there and there's a lot more bad agents, just like CPAs and doctors and financial advisors. There's good and bad in all these industries. Um, and I know what I can provide my clients and I know what value we add. And I know that a lot of other agents don't add any value and they just want to get a commission and they're never going to follow up ever again. And where the majority of our business comes from is long-term follow-up and inviting them to our client events and trying to educate them on how to be better business owners um, by doing trainings on a monthly or quarterly basis for one particular class. And then we do a wealth building class every month. And that's not even real estate wealth building. It's, it's, I mean, that is certainly a, a large piece of it, but it's more like we all want to believe that we're always going to make more money, but that's just not the case. Not for You're not forever going to make more money every year forever. Yeah. So how can we get better at not paying taxes and can we invest in real estate or do flips or short-term rentals or can we put our kids on payroll, things like that. And yeah, so it, we're educating it, our, our clients on that stuff. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant actually. So we're talking about value. So when he was when Josh was mentioning client um, client appreciation events, you know, I'm immediately thinking, and probably our audience is thinking, party, party, party. And yes, you know, I'm sure you have those. Obviously, you do have those as well. But this idea of continually adding value that isn't just so you want to you want to buy your first home. Well, let's let's get you into a seminar, which is fine too. But having this like, hey, I don't just sell homes. I also want to talk to you about wealth preservation, wealth building. Maybe you bring in a financial advisor to talk about investments, you know, uh, outside of real estate as well. There's an accountant, maybe like you were saying to talk about opportunities to, you know, maybe you start an S corporation or, or an LLC to, you know, to get some pass-through income and, and things like that. So that is an absolutely brilliant strategy. Um, it's not one that I see a lot of realtors doing. It, it, almost everything I see that realtors uh, do as far as uh, events are usually around buying or selling real estate. And again, you said part of yours is about, you know, hey, there's passive income you can earn with through investments, uh, real estate investments. Yeah. But um, this idea of continually adding value, I think is like, I would go to that seminar. Yeah. And it's even things as basic as like, why do you have your money in a bank account earning zero when you could have it in a money market account making four and a half percent right now? Yeah. And maybe your bank offers that and that's great, but you have to go ask them to do it. They're not going to automatically give you four and a half percent if they can give you point point one percent. And so we're we're going through all these, like one of my classes is 25 wealth building ideas. And it's just ideas. It's putting your kids, it's maxing out your HSA accounts. And it's, so it's a lot of it is real estate, but a lot of it is not real estate. Um, it's doing a cost segregation on your investment property. I mean, my parents own multiple commercial properties. They don't even know what cost segregation is. And so, and they're intelligent people. They just have, they don't know what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to figure out that value might not mean any, like that class for a lot of people, they're just like, eh, whatever. But for the ones that care and do want to save money on taxes and, and do want to build wealth, it's invaluable. And so that's what we're trying to do is constantly. And we do have the dinner party client events, the VIP events. We have things that are, you know, one of our best client events we've ever done is pictures in the park. It literally cost us a couple hundred dollars and everybody forgets in September and October that they're going to need holiday pictures for their, or for their car, pictures for their holiday card. And um, we have massive turnout and the fixed cost is literally like if we have 
a hundred people there and it's only two hundred dollars for the photographer to come out like it's like a couple dollars a person it's crazy it's it's amazing um and, and so it's something it that you don't have to spend you don't have to spend thousands of dollars you can do you can add on to other events that are already like sponsored i mean there's so many you just got to get creative and a lot of times too with with photography, you know, family photos in particular, is a lot of that gets framed. A lot of it gets hung up on walls or, or put on, on dressers or, 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 you know, set out for people to see. And, you know, that's an, also a, a memory that would trigger, oh, that was a Josh thing. Like, oh yeah, remember we went to that thing that Josh yeah. brought us to? That is a nice reminder, a uh, visual reminder of, you know, what you do without saying, hey, I want to put a, you know, a, cal- a calendar for, you know, the, the local sports team on, on your, on, on your fridge. And some people like that, some people don't, but everyone likes a family photo and it doesn't also have your name plastered on it, but inherently your name is all over it because you were the guy that facilitated yeah. it. So, and, and yeah, the ROI on that is incredible. Yeah. And so there's just little things like, you know, this isn't really part of the marketing, but it plays into the marketing. Like when we meet with clients, like uh, buyer clients, um, especially they come into our office and we do a, you know, a consultation with them and we do a VIP intake form. So we want to know their names, their birthdays, their anniversary, their kids' names. Do they have dogs? Do they have animals? Um, what is their dream trip? What's their bucket list? What, what is their occupation? So we want to do an event or we want to market to all of our probate attorneys in our, in our database. That's how we, that's how we do it is, you know, we get this VIP end. Uh, you, oh, oh no, I just forgot. Yeah. VIP intake form is what yeah. I was talking about. And intake it, form, just, yeah. it just allows us to know what their favorite candy bar is and all these things. I mean, just silly, basic stuff. But, you know, the, the thing that I've told people all the time is if you if you send a birthday card to their kids or, you know, their dog's name and you send their dog a treat. Huge. You're winning them for life. Um, and so I think those are really important things that you can do really inexpensively. And I try to tell my team, we need to be like the Facebooks and the Instagrams and the TikToks, like they're data companies. Yes, they're social media, but they're actually data companies. Um, and that's important to think about when we gather, we get all their other information. I mean, think about, we get everybody, I mean, between the title company, the mortgage company and the realtor, we get as much information as Facebook has. Actually, probably yeah. more sensitive information. And so I think that's really important for people to understand is we have we have the ability to, to really go above and beyond and create like a four seasons experience or like a Ritz Carlton type experience if we want to. There's a lot of people that just want to do transactions instead of have relationships. But my, my, my database is, my database has really done a lot for, more for me than just income. I mean, it, you know, some of, some of my best friends have come out of uh, being in, you know, the junior chamber or young leaders council type uh, class. Um, and then they become clients and they refer me for life, which is income, but it's also, you know, my ultimate goal is to be able to hang out with all the people that are clients. And that doesn't always work out, but you know, when we have 2000 clients, we really don't need any more clients. We just need to do a better job of following them on Instagram, checking in with them, loving on our database and ultimately educating them about wealth building so they buy more real estate. 
it doesn't have to be I've, just I've, a I've, traditional deal. It's what if what if I, what if your top twenty five clients bought one house a year from you? So January one, you know, those twenty five people are going to buy 25 homes. And then what if you had 10 more people in your database that were automatically going to refer you three people a year? Amazing. That's another 30 deals. That's 55 transactions a year. Most people that are watching this podcast probably aren't doing 55 deals a year. No. And so, so you've basically determined your database can support and sustain that with all of the information that you are collecting about them so that you have a reason to reach out. For example, and I just want to highlight one of the examples you gave, I'll actually highlight two of them because they're super easy to do. Uh, one is somebody's uh, wedding anniversary, which you mentioned. I mean, for everyone listening, if you are married, when's the last time either a either somebody outside of your closest friends who happens to know your wedding anniversary, which most of your close friends don't even know that, uh, outside of your family and maybe a few close friends, when's the last time somebody who shouldn't even know your your wedding anniversary picked up the phone and said, hey, man, happy wedding anniversary. Hope you and your your partner have a great day today. Um, nobody does that. I mean, no. that's a simple thing. Another another thing that, that Josh didn't say, but I know he does, well, he did say, but I have an idea of, of one way to help automate this. If you know, obviously, you're going to know where your clients work, right? Maybe if, if both people work, you'll know where both of them work. But you Popeyes. could literally go into Google. Yeah, Popeyes. And, and, oh, great. I didn't even think about Popeyes. Brilliant idea uh, because you can meet other people at their employer, at their uh, place yeah. of employment too. But I was also thinking put Google alerts for all of those businesses and you'll get those news stories when they come in and a great reason to reach out. It's like we have Boeing here in Chicago. So be like, Hey, I just saw Boeing closed a, an amazing, a huge deal with the military. Just thought that that was really cool. I hope, uh, I hope, you know, whatever you, you can just be, you're talking about Facebook, you're a data company. Facebook knows they know where you work. They know all of this info and they're going to serve you up information that they think is relevant to your interests. Josh is doing this, uh, individually. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and and um, and I've gotten away from this a little bit, but the pop buys um, I was doing up until COVID, and I just haven't gotten back into it. But it's something I actually mentioned uh, in the last couple of weeks to my director of operations. I was like, I got to start. You know, it doesn't have to be all the time, but for me, it was like I'm going to go have lunch with somebody on Friday, and then I want the rest of my Friday to be pop buys. So wherever I eat in town, I want to look at my database who who's in that zip code and who, who can I, where do they work? And can I either stop by their house? And we're literally talking five or 10 minutes. I'm not trying to like hijack their afternoon. I just want to get some FaceTime of, Hey, how's it going? I was in the area. I just felt like stopping by. Boom. Done. And that, and again, Josh is so intentional and so well thought out that you go, okay, well, if I just show up at my client's, you know, place of employment, that might annoy them. It might be there, they're in the middle of something. So Josh is like, Hey, I just was in the neighborhood. I was down the street. I thought I'd swing by and I knew, I knew you were over. So I just wanted to say, hi, hope all is well. And nobody says that's, a, nobody is going to, you know, no. uh, have a bad impression of that. I even tell people like I leave voicemails. Hey, I was just thinking about you. I was in your neighborhood for a final walkthrough yesterday just wanted to check in, see how the house is. Call me if you need anything. That's it. Brilliant. Most of the time they don't call me back, but they do get the voicemail or they read it transcription on their phone and it's good. Oh, so, gosh, you know, it's, this is just like, this doesn't have to be rocket science and our business. It's, it's, it's relatively simple. It's not always easy, but it's relatively simple. I mean, we're not, we're not performing neurosurgery or anything crazy. Like this is, literally just contact sport relationships 
and just seeing, just, just checking in on people and really check. I mean, like one of the things we did really good during COVID was we really checked in on people. Like I know, you know, when you talk to somebody and you're like, Hey, how's it going, man? And they're like, Oh, good. And it's like, no, but really like, yeah. Are you doing good? Like, I know a lot of people are struggling right now. Is there anything we can do for you? Are you, you know, like we paid a couple people's mortgage payments through our nonprofit uh, during COVID because they couldn't work. Or we would go to people's, um, a couple of my clients that own restaurants, we'd go and just give big ass tips to people because we could. And it was, you know, we didn't know 2020 was going to be one of our most amazing real estate years of all time um, and 2021. And, and so we were fortunate enough that those people took care of us when it might not have mattered as much, but now we can go take care of them. And instead of giving a 20% tip, we can give a 150% tip if we need to, whatever it is, especially if it's a small, like a lunch that's $15. It's like, well, what if we just leave them another $15? Right. I mean, that helps out. And if that's a win for them and it, and whatever, like, yeah, it's, it's no, it's brilliant. And, and um, absolutely. There, I think most, most, of the best gestures that I've ever, that some, someone has ever done for me, they're almost always usually on the smaller, like if you wrote it on a piece of paper, it wouldn't seem like a big deal, but to me, it meant, it meant the world. So sometimes it, yeah. it isn't even about, you know, and, and, and giving somebody a hundred percent tip or 150% tip, that is significant because even if it's only 15 bucks to them, they've probably not gotten a lot of hundred percent tips or 150% tips. And it just shows that you care. It shows yeah. that you want to help. Um, and it doesn't even matter how big the gesture is. So you're absolutely right um but demonstrating care and compassion is is always the win i think yeah yeah and so i mean this isn't you know this is all stuff we've built on over the years and it's it's good can and 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 look we're not at a 10 we're not i mean we're never at a 10 i don't believe in 10s i you know are we doing it at an eight and a half or a nine sure i think so but can we always top grade it and make it better and make it either a better system and process or can we make it a better experience and so, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. I mean, we we don't need to send, we don't need to sell ten thousand houses a year. We need to sell a couple hundred and make you know help a couple hundred families a year and really be able to help them. Um, you know, we had a girl here yesterday for one of my trainings, and actually, all the people at my training were they were all clients that came to a class that I created called the Acronyms Boss, but it's business owners sharing strategies. And they're all either small business owners or in sales or an executive or something. And uh, she bought her house six years ago from us and we've stayed in touch with her. And they were, they were all just kind of saying how they all get postcards and all these things, but our nonprofit paid for her house after she moved in, she had structural issues and we made it right. It cost, it cost wow. me, us, the nonprofit 12 grand to fix it. But, and I don't think that her, the commission that we got from our house was 12 grand to be completely honest, but it was the right thing to do. And it like, they had married, have kids and we want people to live in a good house. This episode of keeping it real is brought to you by Modwell. We've all been there. You can see the potential of an outdated property, but your buyer can't and the opportunity is lost. You wish you could snap your fingers and transform the space 
And now you can with Modwell. Now listen up, this visionary team with years of experience in real estate, architecture, design, and prop tech built Modwell's 3D enhanced listing technology to digitally reimagine a property so you can show your buyer the stunning possibilities in real time and inspire action. Modwell visually transforms high-end homes as well as new developments to move prospects quickly. Josh on Million Dollar Listing used Modwell's 3D listing tech to reimagine an outdated 1930s home and went from zero showings to 23 book showings and two offers in just 10 days. That's impressive, right? Now you might be thinking, I already get renderings done. Well, this is nothing like that. This is next level interactive 3D like you've never seen and you must see it to get the full picture. I couldn't wait to try it myself and really honestly, the demo blew me away. I want you guys to experience Modwell and transform your properties. So I asked them to do something special just for our listeners and they came through with a $250 credit on your first enhanced 3D listing. Just use our special link, livemodwell.com forward slash real. Again, that's livemodwell.com forward slash real. Choose them for your very next listing. Help your clients see the future. And now onto our show. And I also knew well, we were going to sell it at some point. Well, that's that's true, and I I would imagine, and again, you're not doing it for the, uh, you know, for for the pat on the back or for the the marketing, uh, you know, collateral you get for that. Um, but you certainly do get a lot of appreciation from the vast majority of people that you help to that degree. I mean, they're gonna, I would I would assume they're gonna tell everybody they know. Well, it, it depends, you know, if they're comfortable sharing that information, but they're gonna at least feel it uh, themselves. They are never gonna work with another realtor. You are their client for life, or at least you probably are, and they're likely gonna tell a lot of people. You know, not again. That that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because, yeah. as you said, it's it's literally the right thing to do. Um, and and you took action, and and most people wouldn't, and that that's yeah. Uh, huge. Yeah. Well, like you said, it's the right thing to do, and we were in a position to do it uh, with our nonprofit, and that's why we created the nonprofit so we can help either other nonprofits or people. You know, every year we kind of do a um, our Anderson Group Day where we go out in the community and uh, volunteer, and if we can, you know, one year we helped a lady whose uh, aunt, I mean, her sister and her mom died in the same year and she acquired all their stuff and she had leaks in her house. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to be able to spend $23,000 or whatever it was. And we spent the day in her yard cleaning it up because it was a mess and it was awesome. It was a team building event. It was good culture. Uh, yes, it was strategic kind of PR, strategic giving, but it was it was awesome. It, it feels good to make enough money to go give it to people that actually need it. I'm not necessarily saying I'm handing out that kind of money to people on the corner, but if I can help my clients or friends of my clients and they're in a real true need, that feels awesome. And what's nice about it is it feels awesome no matter what else is going on in your life. And of course, mm -hmm. Josh has problems just like everyone else. Josh has struggles. He's got his wins and his losses and his personal challenges and his business challenges. He is no different from the rest of us. But when you give, uh, you at least those some of those challenges and troubles personally uh, sort of take a back seat for a little bit where you're able to revel in, hey, I got some problems in my own life that aren't perfect and I'm still helping someone else with maybe some of their 
their issues. And that is uh, a wonderful way to feel uh, while we may be going through challenges ourselves. Yeah. And so some of the other 36 touch that we do, I mean, we're kind of doing the high level stuff, but you know, one of the big things for us is, is also uh, volunteering. Um, you know, every month and every quarter we do a certain amount of volunteering and it, it, again, it's kind of a team building event. Not everybody can make it every time. Sometimes we have clients that come in town and they've got to bolt out and go show properties and that's fine. Um, but we usually do some kind of, whether it's second harvest or feeding the homeless or whatever it is, even, even if it's just giving money to somebody that's, you know, giving money is not the same as going out and actually doing it, but, you know, um, buying coats for the homeless when it's the middle of the winter or buying, you know, I'll tell you one year, um, what I did, which feels really good to be able to go to Walmart and buy like two buggies worth of just toys and stuff for kids that aren't going to get much for Christmas. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's you know, a good day. That's a good I'm never going to do that for my kids, but, <laughs> but um, I did invite them to, to go with me and I was like, what toys? And they were just dumping stuff in, but it feels pretty awesome to be able to do that. Um, and yeah. look, there's plenty of other things I could do with that money. Uh, trust me. But it, it, again, it goes back to, can you help out? Uh, and give back because you were fortunate enough and it freaking feels great. So. It it, do, it does. And again, it's, it's a guaranteed win for you, the individual, how you feel about yourself. And if it, you know, ultimately results in better customer service or, or client satisfaction, obviously great too. Um, but at the very least, it, it's something that you get to lay your head on the pillow at night after you do these events and go like, I, I did something good today. Um, when maybe, yeah. you know, not everything else in, in, in life is, is going well. Um, it's, it's a really nice way to just build in a little good feeling to, uh, to how people feel. And I wanted to ask you one last thing, and, and I know um, we're cl- coming in at the end, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't think about this. You have a very calming presence, and I, I suspect you learned some of that from being in the military, where I know they teach you about managing your heart rate, managing your your um, yeah. your sympathetic nervous system so that you're yeah. not in fight or flight because you're not going to have access to all of your best resources when you're stressed and anxious. So yeah. how important is that for you now in real estate to be able to handle client uh, challenges or challenge in a transaction? Is that is that a critical part of you know keeping everyone calm and, and collected while they're going through these ups and downs? For sure. Uh, look, we do this every day. Most of our clients, if not all of our clients other than a handful of investors don't buy, certainly don't buy a house more than once a year or so. Um, that's a small percentage. You know, the average person's buying a house every seven to 10 years. Um, and even with the first time home buyers that think they're only going to live there for three or four years, they inevitably almost always live in it for five or six or seven or eight. Um, and yeah, so you do have to, I mean, we've seen everything. So nothing, it's not that it's not a big deal. It's just that we know how to navigate it. And so sometimes we have to take a deep breath or step away and and come back to it. But we do have to just say, hey, guys, like I had one last night. There was kind of a final walkthrough and my client called me and was like, dude, I'm pissed. They left the door unlocked and left the lights on and he's already moved out. And he was just like, you know, he's like, I'm responsible for this property until July 31st. And, you know, he just kept texting me. I said, look, dude, I said, I will call the agent in the morning. We'll get it taken care of. It won't happen again. They'll have no more access to the house until July 31st when 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 they are buying. They are the new owners. And and it just kind of diffused the whole thing. 
I mean, I can't do anything via text message at eight o'clock at night. I mean, he can be mad all he wants, but there's nothing I can really do. And there was nothing really he could do. So he was really, truly just venting to me. Sure. And, um, you know, I just had to take it and it's yeah. okay. It was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll make it. I'll, we'll yeah. make it right. We'll get it. Yeah. Through. It's just being like, I totally get it, man. I, I would feel similar. I get it. I will take care of this. And then you take care of it. And, uh, that's amazing. Well, I want to also tell everybody who out there works as an agent in the Nashville area. Uh, if you are raising your, your virtual hand right now, I would encourage you to check out Josh's real estate group and team. Um, he is always looking for good talent out there. So if you think that you would like to work with someone like Josh, or maybe you work in another market and you have clients that move in and out of Nashville, I mean, it is one of the most desirable areas to move to in the last five or, or, or 10 years. So there's a lot of people moving there and you probably would want to refer that business if you know you're clients moving. So if you're looking for a referral source or if you're in the national market and you're like, I don't get this kind of training or support for my own my own company, reach out to Josh. And Josh, if somebody either wants to work with you, maybe a client or another agent or an agent wants to refer to you, what's the best way they should reach out? Yeah, best email that goes to myself and my director of operations is info at joshandersonrealestate.com. Awesome. Well, I want everyone to follow Josh on Instagram, Facebook, all the social channels. Look for Tag Nashville and also the real Josh Anderson. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Also, go to his website, joshandersonrealestate.com. I would I would be switching brokerages if I lived in Nashville because I would want to work with someone like Josh truly. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because you're my guest today, but Josh is awesome. And he he just has process for everything. And his process, it makes perfect sense to me. I'm a marketer. I love process. Um, and Josh and his team are doing it. And they're just nice people. So how about consider working with them? Uh, reach out to Josh if you think you'd want to maybe join his team or you have business that he might be interested in. Also, um, wanna, on behalf of uh, all of our audience, Josh, I want to thank you for not only for your service to the country for, for many, many years, but also your service to this industry and giving back and all of the different things you do to help make your community better. It is definitely appreciated by more than even just the residents of that community because we all get inspired to maybe go out and do some more good. Um, and I really applaud you for your dedication to that. And also, so on behalf of, and also Josh's time, he's busy. So thank you, Josh, for coming on our show. And on behalf of thank Josh you. and myself, I want to thank our audience. We want to thank you for sticking around to the very end and best way that you can help our podcast grow tell a friend i think of just one other realtor that could could hear i mean he josh gave some really great tips today so this is an episode worth sharing so just share it with one other agent in your office somebody that's struggling this year guess what every realtor is struggling this is a tough year it's a woo it's a tough year so let's help each other by passing this uh, podcast over to your friends and uh, anyone else you know that could benefit. So thank you, Josh. Uh, we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks. Thank you.